There's a common misconception in the dating world that leaning back is sort of this best approach into how to go about dating. And so the idea is that a woman lean back and the man will lean forward in, you know, sort of pursuing her and claiming her in his life. Um, And I love this in essence, like it's sort of looking at masculine feminine dynamics. However, what it often ends up doing is having the woman, or in this case, really the the feminine-oriented person energetically, being so focused on trying to attain something outside of herself that she's not actually listening to her inner sort of emotional navigation system, tuning into her own needs. She's not able to tune into, is, is this person even right for me? It almost becomes this game of trying to win something, and it's just actually a very disempowering place to come from. So much of feminine energy is is looking cute and waiting to be chosen. Yes. Exactly. And it's and, and it's in what I've come to discover that when we're really in our power, we're doing the ones who are choosing. Both people in the relationship right. are actually choosing. And so leaning back is this whole concept that if I if I'm pleasant and if I'm receptive and if I don't complain and if I don't blame him for anything And if I play my cards right. If I play my cards right, exactly. And so that's something that just when I hear that, it just it frustrates me. And when I was in certain, you know, groups on social media years ago, I would, you know, kind of be observing this. And what I saw was it was actually creating more anxiety in the women who were in the space because they were so worried about getting it right versus getting it wrong. Yeah. And they weren't listening to themselves. Yeah. Do you even want this person? Yeah. You're so busy leaning back thinking, oh, maybe he'll choose me or she'll choose me. Are they worthy of you? Okay, that's number one. Number two? So the second one is there's this myth of it's sort of a codependency myth. So it's this idea that my happiness is something that should come from within me, that should not be dependent on my lover or partner or mate, and that my well-being is not their responsibility and theirs is not my responsibility. It's sort of this, it's kind of related to this leaning back concept, but again, it's this idea, it's this sort of idea that we're supposed to become more self-reliant, more independent, that that's how we secure it, sort of like a relationship between two totally self sufficient people. And this sounds really good. And I get where it comes from. We're not turning to someone as the source of our happiness. But what this ends up doing is it actually has us not realizing that one, attachment and and dependency are actually a biological thing. So there's research out there that now shows that when we partner with someone, when we actually form an attachment, that our blood pressure regulates one another's blood pressure. Our heart rate sync up. Our breathing syncs up. The level of hormones in our blood syncs up. So the idea that I can be in a relationship with someone and his having a bad day isn't actually going to impact me or vice versa is not actually biologically accurate. We are made to attach. It's actually part of the sort of survival instinct that we have within. This is sort of this idea when people come in of like, you know, labeling each other, oh, you're too needy, or you need to learn how to not be so impacted. I see that, it, again, it really gets people in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're meant to take care of each other. That's right. In a healthy Absolutely. way. Right. In a healthy way. Let's have yeah. one more relationship myth. I would say the concept that people can be needy or even this 
this sort of trend we have of labeling people as narcissists. Now, to be clear, I understand from a psychological perspective that there are people who fall on a spectrum of, you know, personality disorder. However, what I find um, is that when people get caught up on labels, she's being so needy, or he or she is a narcissist, what ends up happening is one we're in the we're in victim consciousness we're in the world of blame we're taking our power outside of ourselves we're placing we're saying this person is the cause of my my not being well my not feeling good which in the flip side we also can make someone the source of our feel good right but the truth is that the way that we feel and what we're experiencing even when we're using these labels it's only ever about our own needs so when i have met needs like in the case of, it, let's say I'm going to say, oh my gosh, this relationship didn't work because my partner was a narcissist. What I'm really saying is, I really value mutuality and support and compassion and consideration. I didn't experience that in this relationship. And I have the power to create conditions to have those needs met. So it doesn't even matter who or how this person is. What right. matters is that I'm connected to what I need. Similarly, when we label someone needy, that's a misconception because we're only needy in so far as we have unmet needs. So in that situation, what might be happening is, as one of my mentors, Tom Bond, has liked to say, that that needy person might be kind of like going to a hardware store trying to get ice cream. Hmm. <laughs> so it's like if I keep coming to you for compassion and warmth and you're just not someone who can contribute to that for me, then it would be like, come on, give me what I need, right? But that person isn't needy. They just have unmet needs and right. they might be displaced in where they're trying to actually source that, if that makes sense. They're barking up the wrong tree, Melissa. Yes. And sometimes they're barking up the wrong tree because they're really afraid of intimacy. But that's another story. That's absolutely true. Without a doubt. Yeah. Yes. You know, you just keep finding these guys who can't give you what you want because the ones that can give you what you want yes. also see who you are. Maybe you don't want to be seen. Anyway, right. we are talking to Melissa Simonson, who is a self-love mentor and also an astrologer, which is an interesting piece to bring yes. to the to anyone's puzzle when you're coaching them, right? So yes. uh, you can say, you, so, so how would that work if you're coaching someone about yes. self-love? You can inform them with astrology? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I trained as a spiritual life coach 12 years ago, but before that, all the way back to being eight years old is when I developed my fascination with astrology. It just was this, became this lifelong study of understanding myself and understanding others. So what I've come to realize is that it is one of, if not the most potent paths to self-awareness that we can have. And at the foundation of self-love is self-awareness, because if you can't see yourself or the patterns or the beliefs that you're sort of swimming in that are creating your life, then you can't choose anything differently. So I start all of my client relationships looking at their birth chart based on the date, time, and place of birth. And I look at some particular points in the chart that show me the tendencies this person has that's sort of their fear-based survival strategy. So in the case 
place of like people pleasing or right anxious attachment with the women I work with, we can see a lot of the origin actually there. But we look at what are those misconceptions that they're carrying. Then we also look at what are the attributes this person is here to develop that are really going to help her create a thriving life, thriving relationships. Cuts the groundwork for what we're here to do together. What is this person's individual journey of growth and what's really going to help her help her have the fulfillment that she really longs for. That is so cool. Absolutely, really, really cool. When I look at the chart, there's a couple points I'm really focusing on. So I do encompass the whole chart, but I'm actually looking at some points that are called like the north and south nodes of the moon, um, which are this kind of inner tug of war we have between Mm. the fear part and what's really going to put us in walking in love and trust and empowerment in our lives. Um, I look at the placement of Saturn in the chart, the placement of Pluto. There's an asteroid called Chiron that's known as the Wounded Healer asteroid. It points to our deepest and earliest wound and how that informs both kind of our superpowers, but also what we're, um, where we can create stories of unworthiness about ourselves. So it's really, you know, it's interesting because Carl Jung actually used astrology with his patients, which I just love. So it's a very archetypal way of, of doing work with people understanding these core patterns, these even universal patterns that are playing out in people's personalities. And your client does not have to know anything about astrology to benefit from these things that you find. Absolutely. I always do like an initial like kind of astrology 101. I'll show them their chart. This is kind of what I'm talking about just so they can kind of get the visual. But beyond there, I'm really just saying, okay, so you know, here's what this means for you in your life, you know, so I might look at a chart, and I may be able to see, oh, wow, so this person really, really has a story, or this, they really love order, and they love to feel like they know the plan all the time, and that everything's working according to their plan, and of course, we could see how that could really get someone in trouble, right, because one, it's going to create anxiety, they're going to be trying to control outcomes all the time, so I'm able to see from there, like, this person is really on a path where we need to deepen their spiritual awareness we need to deepen their capacity to to sort of let go and let god so to speak or whatever their word is languages for that right Right. so that would be an example of how that might work yeah and it really you know having been on the receiving end of of some astrology it's it's wonderful to help you step into your power yeah you know when i found out i was capricorn rising i was like well that's why i'm so bossy yeah <laughs> I love that you call yourself. I'm like you're very direct and very enterprising. You're like, no, I'm bossy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bossy. I am. All right. You say, Melissa Simonson, that people pleasing is selfish. Please explain. Yeah. So on the outset, right? People pleasing looks like it's for the other person. I'm always thinking about your needs. I'm always trying to anticipate how I can be kind to you and understanding. But it's actually a fear-based response that's self-preserving and that what I'm actually afraid of is deep down I'm afraid I'm not lovable. I'm afraid that, um, you know, if I'm people-pleasing, that is, I'm afraid that I'm going to lose your approval, that you might reject me. And so I'm actually not thinking about you at all when I'm people-pleasing. I'm thinking about myself and how to keep myself safe and getting love and getting what I think that I need from you. Shazam! Yeah, right. Damn, that's a biggie. Oh my goodness. All right. So 
I need you to just say it one more time. So people pleasing is selfish because when I'm, I'm saying yes, whatever you have, absolutely, I'm really doing that for myself. Right, because the thing is, is that when we live and we step into abundance consciousness and we step into the awareness that everybody is creating their lives and everyone has the capacity to have met needs, when I stop playing that rescuer who's like says yes when I really need no, um, I create a space of empowerment for you to actually meet your needs or to be in a relationship with someone that's truly aligned for you or to choose the opportunity that's really going to work best for you, right? And I'm also creating the space for me to go, what do I need here? And how can I really have that? So the idea that needs are in conflict and that one person has to sacrifice, that's not actually true. Mm-hmm. Strategies to meet needs. So when I talk about needs, I'm talking about, like, let's say you have a need for support. But maybe I'm in a space where I've got so much going on in my life, I can't be the one to contribute to that need right now. So my job is to get that we live in an abundant universe and that you can meet your needs for support in so many ways and I can honor and acknowledge my love for you and my care but I might have a boundary there where I say you know I can't do that today but are you able to connect on Wednesday or Friday of this week I would love to you know help you with that or maybe it's just a no for me in general but I can trust that you're able to actually find a way to have support without me having to sacrifice anything and so that rescue role it's it's this really interesting subtle way that we create everybody as victims including ourselves then we become resentful right because i'm doing something i don't actually want to do so is that true generosity i don't think so right true generosity is when i'm tuned into having my cup overflowed because i'm so aware of what i'm needing and tending to that 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 i'm able to be in tune with if you're needing that support and it's such a yes for me, then I can give generously from that place, right? And I'm, I'm creating a space for you to experience your needs fully met as well. Beautiful. I just want to stand up and give you a round of applause. <laughs> Thank you. We're going to send everybody to melissasimonson.com. Is there anything else we need to know today? You can truly have the love and the life that you most want. And if you're not experiencing, it's because there's something going on at the the level of your thinking. It's important to have someone hold up the mirror for you to see what it is that you're not seeing that might be blocking you from having the love, the life, just the fulfillment that you most desire. But I promise you it's completely possible.